Hey listeners, Doug Bruner here. Real quick, before we start the show, I wanted to give a shout out to our amazing sponsors who brought this show to you here today. Have you heard of Central Irrigation? Central Irrigation specializes in irrigation system design, installation, and maintenance from a variety of agriculture fields. They are committed to service any farmer's needs, making their services unlimited and diverse. Check them out at centralirrigation.com or Call them at 209-262-3723. The amount of time and effort you spend to track your financial accounts. And think of, so think about that for a moment and then how much time is being spent tracking water use and the fact that water use, there is no substitute, no alternative. You can go to a different seed manufacturer, you can go to a different plant equipment manufacturer, you can go, you get an alternative input for your farming operation for any of the other inputs except one. And what is that? Water. Water. Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Toast. I am Doug Bruner here again with Keith Yamamoto and we're lucky today to be interviewing Kevin France with SWIM, Brad Samuelson and Chase Hurley from Waterland and Solutions. Um, I'm going to have Keith kind of set the stage and let people know who they are. Yeah, so Keith Yamamoto here and we're here with Kevin France. He's the CEO of SWIM Systems. Um, Kevin is the leader in water accounting and uh, the future of water accounting. And uh, their company is based out of Colorado, but they, they reach uh, multiple countries and um, we're working closely with them here in California. Then we have uh, Brad Samuelson, who's the managing member of Water and Land Solutions. And he's your uh, local groundwater and Merced area water expert. And uh, Chase Hurley, also a managing member of Water and Land Solutions. Chase has an extensive background working as in management within water districts. And I don't know if I know a guy that knows more about uh, the California waterway system. Um, that uh, doesn't know more than Chase Hurley, sorry. Um, so anyway, those are the guys here at the table. and. We're looking forward to learning something from them today. Thank you guys for showing too. Hey, okay. thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, a couple of highlights. We want to thank you, all our listeners that listened last time to our first episode with my grandpa and Uncle Sight Vanderdusen uh, and Eddie Eger. It was such a great time interviewing some patriarchs of the industry, especially the dairy industry. We had a great time. A lot of good feedback from listeners, surprised. Um, we actually had over 750 listeners, so I, I think that's quite a good stage. So we're excited to uh, bring more um, people who are you know, well-educated in the ag deal, especially California. The three guys sitting at the table um, are essential to everything we do because it all begins with water, right? And so I feel fortunate to have you guys here. Um, I've gotten to know these guys over the last year. I think people are going to be lucky to um, listen to them as well as learn from them um, because water is our life, especially in California. Everybody knows it, that we are dealing with um, major issues. So let's, uh, Keith, maybe get these guys going here and you, you've been working alongside them in a couple of different things already so let's see yeah i just uh you know an intro on the, the companies you know we introduced the guys individually but uh a swim is a like i said a, the leader in water accounting and um and really the major player in that space and water and land solutions what what these guys are great at is uh, is really solving problems and uh preparing people for the um imminent regulation that's coming down the pipeline for all the farmers specifically here in california and hopefully these guys at some point can help people across state lines as well um it's it's something that might not be completely understood by a lot of the farmers and uh people within the ag industry yet but soon enough it'll be something that if you don't understand you'll be at a huge disadvantage and and uh have a 
a really hard time competing in the ag space uh, if you're not prepared and uh, being proactive. So, so I'm, I, I just started working alongside Kevin in the last couple of months, but uh, Chase and Brad, I've known you guys for about uh, six to, well, I've known Brad since I was about 12 years old. But on that note, Chase and Brad came together about a year ago from all my understanding here. And let, let's talk about why you guys came together, started Waterland and Solutions and what you guys are seeing going on currently in your business. Well, the, the main reason that we started Waterland Solutions because we both wanted to work more at the farmer level in helping solve uh, problems and uh, with the imminent implications of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, commonly referred to as SIGMA, saw a great need for individual farmers to become uh, proactive in their water management. And uh, I was thinking about starting my own business and at the same time, uh, Chase was also, I didn't, I, Chase and I knew each other, um, but we weren't, uh, didn't have a long history together, but he was going through a similar change in uh, his uh, work life and we talked about doing this together and here we are it's actually been almost two years now yeah and it's been a great partnership I, I started out as a farmer my parents were farmers uh, the last 23 years I've been on the water resource side working for two different districts in Merced County uh, it was a great experience got to manage a lot of great people got to work for a lot of great uh, landowners and farmers but it was time in my career to make a change I want to get back on the private side and uh, things have been, they sort of fell in line. I, I, I got to know Brad. We were sort of doing the same type of work from a different perspective. Uh, so we sort of put our wits together. And there's a lot of great things on the horizon. And in my mind, it's because we're working with farmers. And that's all I've ever known. So uh, we're going to plug away. And uh, it's been a great uh, sort of 16 months to start with. A lot of good things in the future. That's great. Uh, is there anything in particular, you know, that you guys have been swamp busy i know I, I i see you guys on a daily basis and you guys seem to always uh be working on something you know is there anything in particular that's driving you know the demand for your guys' services and and um you know driving the need for someone like yourselves uh to be consulting the growers the the major need that we see is the conveyance of surface water to farm ground Basic in, uh, there's a new need, new rush for that. So we, we see lots of, uh, not just white areas, but mostly white area farmers. White areas are areas that aren't within water districts, uh, trying to access surface water, uh, from either a neighboring water district that does have supply or, uh, flood water or other kind of, uh, water from natural water bodies. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it too is, um, Farmers are great people, but the, at times they struggle working with their neighbors. I mean, that's how they're all farmers. They're all businessmen and sort of a go-between is helpful sometimes. So we're creating a lot of unique partnerships. Where we're able to get 5, 10, 15 growers on different projects to all work together um, because they don't have any sort of built-in infrastructure like a water district or an irrigation company as a conduit. So me and Brad are able to step in, fill the void, and, and represent them in a lot of different venues. And, and what... On the, obviously, this is all this is all being driven by regulation. You know, what are those what are those uh, initial signals from the regulators that's that's driving um, this this uh, new planning that hasn't been there in the past with your with the on farm water situations? Well, one of the obvious one is California's Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, which a lot of people uh, you know the nomenclature is Sigma. So that's been a big driver um, for the last couple of years as it's as it's come into place. But I think and Brad has got a lot of background in that. He's sort of focused on it a little more so than I am um, on the day to day. But the other thing is, is you've got the federal CVP project, the Central Valley project, and you've got the state water project that have had a lot of issues in the last 10 or 15 years come before them, both from an environmental perspective, from a policy perspective, where the projects either don't work like they used to 5, 10, 15 years ago for a variety of reasons, or they just, um, the state has outgrown themselves and outgrew those two projects. So we as a state and farmers, we have to be more proactive. We need to get more projects built. Um, and I, from my perspective, you, if you wait for the federal or state government to get it done, um, uh, a lot of these growers are going to be out of business. So let's try to figure out how to put new partnerships in place, 
work with the state and federal projects uh, and the state federal governments, but we're not going to do it unless the farmers are organized and, and can get on the same page. I think that's a good time to segue and kind of bring uh, Kevin's perspective on this, on this situation. So you guys, you know, Brad and Chase, uh, working on infrastructure projects, contracts to bring surface water to white areas, which white areas are ranches that have groundwater only. Um, so Kevin, you know, these guys are finding a way to get this supply to these ranches and you're on the accounting side. So what do you, how do you see? Before you say something, go on to Kevin. I want to say something because I look at it a little different than these three guys here and yourself is. I'm in the office daily, right? I look at balance sheets, P&Ls, um, you know, which is the income statement, right? And I, I, I look at how much money am I spending daily, right? And so now my focus is as a farmer and a, a lot of, I do a lot of acquisitions, buying ground, leasing ground is how do I get cheaper water? Um, that being said, I see a lot of guys putting in through the work of Brad and Chase that they've assembled some massive infrastructure pipelines to these wide areas. My question to all those people and where I see the value of swim, and I'm going to segue and finish your line. I'm sorry. I interrupt people a lot, Keith. It's you're, you're, it's all right, you're pretty it's used to that. Right now. Okay. It's just part of the culture around here. <laughs> yeah. Get used to it. Um, yeah. You're all going to get interrupted. Um, but I, I really look at the financials, right? Constantly. I track them. I mean, it's a daily uh, deal for me. And these people are putting in hundreds of thousands to million dollars of pipelines as well as pumping stations, diversions, as well as the legal side they're spending money on. I really hope they're spending as much time tracking that. They aren't. And, and you hit it, the nail on the head, Doug. Yeah. The amount of time and effort you spend to track your financial accounts. And think of, so think about that for a moment and then how much time is being spent tracking water use and the fact that water use there is no substitute, no alternative. You can go to a different seed manufacturer, you can go to a different plant equipment manufacturer. You can go, you get an alternative input for your farming operation for any of the other inputs except one. And what is that? Water. Water. Good point. If that water, if you have a surface water supply, if you're lucky enough to have surface and groundwater, which some do, some don't, there's not an alternative to that. If you can't get it from your, your primary source, whether it's from the surface, obviously, uh, groundwater or from your district, you're hooped. So managing that resource, it's a direct, there's a direct corollary to how much water you have versus how much you can grow. So it's flabbergasting to, to me. And what we've seen in the last five years, finally, finally, people are starting to put that together. Even five years ago, we, we started SWIM almost 10 years ago as a research project with the USDA. Colorado State, Utah State, the guys from Fresno State, all came together, PhDs, put this program together. Even back then, those researchers were saying, why in the hell are you even doing this? That was scary. Mm -hmm. Even back then, that, I mean, you know, that's pushing 10 years ago. So now we fast forward, now we're sitting here, where we're sitting, western states, Colorado River allocation that services upper and lower basin states, 40% allocate, over allocated. I mean, there's over 40% more people pulling from that, that river than we have water to service. Groundwater in Colorado and California, throughout the western U.S., overdrawn in most cases. And so now we're talking about a food supply problem, a water allocation problem, all rolled into one. It's scary. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it is becoming more reality, and, and it shocks me and even some of them, some people are very close to me are just not who are large farmers, um, big asset holders, right? Who are just yeah, we'll we'll deal with it when it comes, oh. right? And and I well, the one thing I, I got to say about being working alongside Chase and Brad is it seems like a lot of their clients and. I know, you know, you don't want to talk about them personally, but many of them, you guys see both sides, right? You see some guys who question it, is it useful? 
And then, uh, you know, this is a little, you know, too much to work on right now. And then you got some guys who are totally bought in. I'm an all-in type of guy uh-huh. in everything I do. Right. And especially now towards water. I mean, every piece of property I go after, every everything I do is associated more than the land is the water. And I, I think maybe talk about some of, I guess, highlight, not necessarily a, a person in particular, client, but, but how some guys have been just so aggressive towards it, yet some guys, you, you're, you're uh, almost dis... I don't know how to say it. Well, people just aren't interested in the service. And that's yeah, fine. It's not about the service, though, that you're just... They don't want to spend the time or money. Exactly. They, they, they don't prioritize it. They don't, yeah, they don't prioritize I, I just, and that shocks me because your life and blood of that ground is water. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, let's turn into the Dust Bowl right now. Or, you know... Well, I think, I think there's lots of farmers who have significant surface supply. And they don't want to grow. They don't want. They don't want to. They don't care to be more than a couple hundred acres or whatever they have. And they don't necessarily need my help. And that's and that's okay. The uh, the type of clients that we typically uh, have are large family farms that want to grow, or even corporate farms that obviously are always growing. So um, those are the most enjoyable people to work with. That if I make a suggestion on a uh, significant infrastructure project that's out of the box, I want my clients to consider it and think about it. Things like a pilot groundwater recharge project. You know, so you're going to spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on a temporary pump, some tractor work, things like that. But if it works, you got, and uh, you're able to get flood water. To that recharge pond, and now you've got an extra six, seven hundred thousand. I'm sorry, five or six hundred extra acre feet of water this year, or next year. I'm sorry, to achieve twenty thousand. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what do you guys see as like the biggest misconception or or, or um, like the bad perception as far as the water goes with your clients? Like I know there's a there's a general perception of the water situation that we're in now and what, what, where do you think that people are missing the, the point the most? And this is a pretty much directed at Chad, I mean, Brad, Chase, or uh, Kevin. You guys all deal with them on that level. Did I throw one up? Go for it. My GSA is going to take care of the situation. Or the explain to, explain to people take, explain to people what GSA is first. Sorry, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, my sustainability agency or my district. Yeah. And that's not a shot against either of those entities. They have a, a tall order in front of them to get that management uh, uh, schema down path. Mm-hmm. But to make an assumption that the third party, whether government, district, management, a, a cooperative group is going to take care of my ground, but in my family, I mean, all everyone that works in swim, all you guys are in ag. So we that 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 uh, property's been in most of our clients' uh, family, family yeah, generations, generations. Assume someone else who hasn't even walked my field is going to take care of me. That is so foreign to me. I can't even put yeah. words. So so when we hear that, we hear that seven out of ten times, and we have to walk them off that plank and say, "Whoa, would you? If the IRS came calling and was going to audit your taxes, would you say?" Okay, all right, you're right. No, if, if, if anyone else came in in any capacity in question, especially your farming operation, which you know better than anyone, uh, or the availability to water, you might take the second or third look at it. So when we hear that, that's something we hear a lot is, hey, someone else is going to take care of the problem. And, and to me, that is a recipe for disaster. So, Kevin, I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm kind of hooked to... I keep talking about it. People are getting tired of me. Yellowstone, uh, the show. But but <laughs> hey, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a good very actual resource. There you go. I watch uh, TV shows because um, a lot of times I learn from smart businessmen. Mm-hmm. And John Dutton, you know Kevin Costner. He probably should call me. He probably should invest, invest with me. Yeah. Um, but you know what? In episode like six or seven in uh, season two, right? His son was laying in bed, uh, Casey, uh-huh. next to his wife, and he says, "My dad said someday I'm going to have to fight or kill to keep my ground." Mm. 
And he he didn't understand what his dad said a long time ago. And I'm, I'm hoping we don't have to kill to keep our ground. <laughs> uh, but on that note, what you just said is we're letting somebody else take care of it. Where John Dutton in the Yellowstone, yeah. he dealt with matters himself. Right. I can't tell you they were always legal. <laughs> but I like it. I like his style. Yeah, but he dealt with yeah. it, right? Yeah. So, but, and that's my point. I, and I don't want to make take a shot at any of these entities because I know lots of folks that are working on these entities and they have a such a tall order. Think about this. They're brought in, mandated, what, a few years ago to try to get the groundwater situation taken care of. California's the last state that has done anything around groundwater management. And now... You know, trains left the station, and they're trying to fix fix the problem. But but just when you hear that, I mean, when we hear, uh, you know, what, what's the biggest uh, competitor to what SWIM's doing? Complacency. That is the biggest. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Oh, well, hey, join or die. I have, I, have, I have labor problems. I have this. I have that. Legitimate nobody cares. Issues. Nobody cares. They're legitimate issues. Yeah, but nobody cares. That's what. I without mean. water, you have no labor. There you go. That's without that, nobody cares. And but I want to. We're talking about third parties, right? We're talking about water districts. We're talking about the state. We're talking about you know congressmen. All this stuff. Chase. If anybody has been associated, you have worked for water water districts, right, Chase? Yeah. You, and, and so, and you've left them. I, I can't say I. I think you've had great relationships with them. They still call you. You seem to be a, a spokesman a lot of times. But where you know they have difficulties, right? They have to answer the state. They have a lot of things. What's your advice to a farmer saying? Sometimes you can't wait on them to make your. You know, yeah, to I, decide to protect your right, and I think I think Kevin hit it on the head. Is it, it your whole value in your property is the water, especially in California? It's first in line, first in time. Uh, the water right is held, and uh, you know, vast majority of the time is through the property right. Now that water may be held in trust by a, a canal company. It may be held through a contractual obligation with a state or federal entity through a water district or an irrigation district. But at the end of the day, when you go and buy that property. The value in that property is tied to the water right. And yeah, is the irrigation district and the water district um, going to fight uh, like tooth and nail to protect that water right? And are they going to have to deal with issues such as the irrigated lands program and all the other regulatory things that are coming on uh, upon these farmers? Absolutely. And they'll, they'll be a great conduit for them. But I'm with Kevin. How when you take delivery of that water through that head gate, it's that's your water and how you would not want to know where every single drop how much is entering your property how much is leaving your property whether it's through tail water whether it's through a leaching factor to the substrate into your groundwater basin um the days of the days of worried about you know the state or nobody's going to come in and tell me how much well water i can pump i don't need a meter well maybe so and you can continue to fight that fight and that argument forever but why wouldn't you want to know that information you need to be flexible um you need to be resourceful and at the end of the day, you've got to be documented. You've got to document what you're doing. And that's on nobody else but you. Uh, don't rely on that from anybody else. Let the water district do what they're going to do. But how you don't, do why you wouldn't document every drop of water to protect yourself into the future and the asset and the whole asset of your property, which is the, the, the base of all your farming is tied in water. I, I don't, I don't know why you're not moving down that road already. I've seen a couple of headlines in the last year in this regard that uh, the person who's going to win this the Sigma lawsuits is who has the best data. I was just, yeah. I don't know nothing about anything, but I do know one thing. What somebody just told me, maybe it was Kevin. Oh no. I, don't Actually, me. you know, I I've been spending so much for. time with attorneys. Don't state nothing I, unless you you're ready. Just call me an attorney. <laughs> no. Just call me an attorney. No, 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 definitely. Janitor, no, what is wrong. what is the most valuable oh. or you said it? Data is worth more. Passed up oil, the value of yes. data. Da the value of the world's data is worth more than the value of the world's oil now. So that sounds like something Keith said, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's right. Yeah, he's right. So, and, but yet, and Kevin has. I think you have an. Ex I think you have an example of what Chase is talking about. We're all talking about as far as. The, and what Brad said about the best data wins the lawsuit. Right. I don't know if you can talk about it publicly, but maybe client, But I'll tell you the situation. Example, yeah. yeah. So I mean, Sigma's two, or Sustainable Groundwater Management Act's too new, so there's no litigation out here yet. Knock on wood. But, there will be. Yeah, there it's, it's forthcoming, right? You know it is. 
But if you look at, so we manage surface and, and groundwater in multiple regions, multiple districts, multiple uh, use cases. Imperial is one of those areas. We're up in Valiberti. Um, so we've had a lot of, we have more experience down there because that's been a, a bigger issue or a bigger, bigger problem to solve. But if you back up and look at kind of um, the district grower relationship, Sometimes the growers are wondering if they're getting the amount of water that they're paying for, those sorts of things. And then, of course, the district, there's some growers that don't play by the rules, very few, most of them do. But the district's trying to manage that resource, make sure it's, it's evenly distributed. So sometimes you have push and pull there. Our data has been used to solve uh, litigation or, or legal issues outside of court around our water balance sheet, uh, data, delivering consumption data. So we've allowed... Um, Growers and districts have gotten into issues uh, in other regions to live in peace under the assumption that they were going to continue to monitor that water and allow the district to see what's actually being delivered and the grower to see the uh, use data, the irrigation efficiency. And we, we're like Switzerland in that regard. If it's good data, uh, you know, to the grower's benefit, we show the district. If it's crap data and the grower needs to improve the efficiency, that's the deal we make, and as long as they're willing to share it under that that condition, and so, so to be it's like my make, wife when she tells me to uh, <laughs> clean up clean up the floor, I uh, brush it under the uh, rug. Exactly <laughs> like that. Exactly. It's kind of hard to walk to get the vacuum. <laughs> Are you a farmer looking for topping services? Tree Barber focuses in mechanical topping, hedging, and custom spreading. They cater to farmers' needs throughout the Central Valley. Find them at treebarberllc.com or 559-363-3315 for more detailed information. Kevin, it seems like um, your focus is the Central Valley now, right? Quite, not, yeah, you got focus all over. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a very focused individual. I can tell you, you're intense, man. I don't want to headbutt you right now, but you're, you're very intense. Uh, Kevin, you're, it seems like you've been really focused in the Central Valley lately. And why not? I mean, we have the highest. We make, I mean, we have valuable stuff. We're not growing, I guess some people are still growing corn or wheat and soybean. And, but, this is where we're almonds, uh, right. pistachios, you know, now people are even looking into this hemp deal, whatever it is, you know, tomatoes, vegetable crop, Salinas area. Right. I know you've, tell us about some of the people you're working with um, in the Central Valley or the Salinas area. I know you're really focused. Yeah. And uh, just how, how is that relationship working? How, what, what has been the struggle in the Central Valley? What has been the struggle in the Central Valley so far? What, different, what has it been? The okay, struggle? but what's the difference between people in the Central Valley versus Imperial or yeah. Colorado or things like that? Because I do think we are – a lot of the farmers here do make a lot of money. So they think, hey, you know what? Right now I'm going to hold off. But it, to me, it's, it's crazy. They'll go buy a new Range Rover, which Range Rovers are nice. I, I don't blame them, but – or, or or buy a new house, but they're not investing. And I don't know all your costs. Yeah, but, if I, think, but I think Kevin also, he's working with some high-end producers in Imperial. I mean, you've got vegetable growers, and okay. I, I think you've had some great success down there. Yeah. So you might want to sort of figure out how you, based on the success you've had down there and the type of grower, how that sort of feathers up to uh, in our area. Right. Yeah. By the way, I, don't, I couldn't even imagine going onto a field with a Range Rover or like any foreign car. I could. Uh, there's a joke about that. <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for <laughs> They're pretty nice. I've done it before. <laughs> it was brand new to Ag, and he went on. Oh, like, hey, here's the rental car company. He got some Ford car. I can't remember what it was. And he, every farm he went to, the farm manager was looking at him, trying to figure out what was going on. You know, yeah, it wasn't a Ford, it wasn't a Chevy, it was some Ford. I think it was a Jack. I'm like, can you get a jag and going on a farm field? Really? Yeah, but that's my favorite is going and taking your truck to get service, taking the rental car and taking it on that's a loop awesome. drive. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, let me take it. There was a lot Sorry. there, Doug. But okay. Let me try to let me try to take answer. This. What I'm really worried concerned is the difference between people who are have used you, who have caught on, and right. why you know versus. Over here, and I'm not saying it hasn't caught on here, but it you're starting to build it, and how, how does it move faster for growers to get to know and exactly what is the success that's happened over there, and why people like Brad and Chase 
need you and you need them. Right. 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 So, because you guys seem to have a synergy together. Huge, right. Huge, huge. Well, so let's, let's talk about yeah. let's start with partnerships first. So, USDA, we patented the technology after five years of work with them. Colorado State, USDA, we had a lot of researchers, PhD. Uh, dissertations, master's theses written on this thing. Did field research, office research, you know, uh, programming, whatnot. This thing's been vetted eight ways from Tuesday. In addition to the most recent partnerships, now we're happy to announce that we partnered with um, Central Irrigation and Water and Land Solutions. Formally, we're tied at the hip now. We're working together to push. We're using that as a distribution strategy. Okay. Because these guys have the relationships. They understand the need. And, you know, we're a small company. We don't have, we have field people, we have technicians, we have salespeople, but, but these guys have the relationships with the growers. And so it helps speed up the, the adoption process instead of us trying to educate every single damn grower in the, uh, uh, in, in the Central Valley, San Joaquin, we can now rely on great trusted partners to help that process. So yeah. we're so excited about that. It's such a wonderful relationship. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. We, our growers fall in two buckets, Jim. Okay, so our clients, I should say. Bucket one, nah, they don't they don't have a lot of data. They may be gathering some use data, or, or they're using some technology. They record their they they yeah. have a uh, um, Billy record the flow meter once a year. Maybe, maybe. and he lost it. Yeah, <laughs> or it's, or it's, or it's written down, handwritten, like yeah. Right? Trust me, I, I'm Billy. <laughs> so, so Doug's in bucket one. Yeah, I'm bucket okay. one. I'm with you. All right, so that's bucket one. They don't they don't have trending data, but they got something. And then we've got the second people in the bucket that have no data, no idea. They're rolling with their operation. It's all been up here intuitively. And that was fine for sometimes five, six, seven generations. They could operate the farm. They know their field. They know the dirt. But they haven't had to worry about that. But now with SIGMA, with Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, with potential drought uh, cycles, they're, they're worried. They're concerned. They're worried they're going to lose their, 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 uh, their operation. Their legacy operation, they're afraid they're not going to be able to survive for two or three seasons from now. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do when their, their kids come back from college. It's scary stuff. So so most of them fall into one or two buckets. And regardless if you're down in Imperial where you're dealing with Colorado surface water, you're dealing with surface and groundwater up here, surface, groundwater, different irrigations. We've been on almost every crop you can imagine. There's There's some consistencies that we've seen, and I like to call it the carrot or the stick. There's a carrot or a stick in almost every region we're in. So think about that guy old dangling the carrot, the other one with that big old stick ready to hit you on the back. back I, the I want to be the guy with the stick. You always want to be the one with the stick. Yeah. Unless you're trying to bite the carrot because that's money. Yeah. And the analogy is money on the carrot. Now, do you want the carrot or the stick? Carrot. I want the you carrot, want the but carrot. I still want to hold the, the stick. Yeah. <laughs> I want to eat the carrot. <laughs> 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 All right, I like that. That makes sense. All right. So here's here's the carrot. Imperial Irrigation District. Uh, established uh, district. They're in trust of Colorado Rip River allotments, right? The largest allocation of California water. I think it's, what, 3.6, 3.5 million acre feet uh, delivered down to the Imperial Valley for use. Well, Imperial... Uh, has developed a conservation program where they will pay growers to save, or if they save water. Now, this is co consumed water, not delivered, right? Okay, we all know delivered water to the field, you deliver a certain amount, and then uh, a lesser amount of that delivered water is actually consumed by crop and evaporation. The consumed component is what they pay for. So you can't just put a water tap or the equivalent of it on a pipe and say, okay, I was pulling one unit of water, now I'm going to pull a half a unit of water, I saved half the water. That ain't going to fly. That ship ain't going to sail. It's going to be, I've delivered one unit of water, I haven't injured my crop through crop stress, and I've reduced a certain amount of consumed water, because as Chase alluded to just earlier, in the Western water world, it's consumed water that's the value of the water, right? Because that serves someone else's water right. So if you don't, if you apply a unit of water, some of that trickles down your system and goes back into the system, that water is used to charge someone else's water right. So that's why it matters. Yeah. Okay? So in Imperial, you get paid to save. So there's real dollars out there. There's 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 a carrot. Uh, using consumption... What kind of dollars are we talking? We're talking, well, they're, they're in per acre. of per reducing acre. it. Historically, it's been almost $300 an acre. They're, they're talking about... Acre foot or acre... Uh, it's $300 per acre foot per acre. 
So wow. it, yeah, it's big money. It's, it big can money. be big money. So that's what we profit. Where, where is that? Where is that? Uh, that's why accounting matters. Yeah, I right. <laughs> no, that's that's it, Brad. I mean, it's it's it's, it's true. So. Here's a good example. So I'm not, I'm not comparing the district with the IRS because that can have a negative connotation, but that really is the best analogy I can come up with. So if you go in front of the district to show your water use reports and they give you an amount that they think you're consuming, if you don't have your own data, guess whose data you're using? Right. There. Yeah. So it's like the IRS coming to you and we saying, that. Yeah, we're going to audit you. We're going to audit you. And guess what? We think you gave us the wrong information on your taxes. Are you going to walk into the IRS and say, oh, you're right. I'm not going to talk to my own CPA and my own account. I'm going to use your data, IRS, because I trust you because you're the IRS. No, you'd never do what, right? And you're going to go get your own, hopefully a damn good CPA to look at that and go in on your behalf. Yeah, see, because CPAs worry about pennies. I'm a macro type of guy. I like round numbers. Right. Right. But when you start paying your water bills, right, um, especially from some districts, I won't say them specifically that I buy water from. They just give you, you consumed 15 acre feet. Right. But yet I'm paying 100 or 200. Shouldn't it be I consumed... Fourteen point nine seven acre feet, or or fifteen point zero three. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. They, I, I know. So some, some of them do know more than others, but most of the time, it's like your valve is open this long. Yep. Uh, yeah. Estimated of two cfs, and that's the cost. Well, there's a lot of leaky valves. You know, you know, I promise you that. He's hit on a really good point. Uh, the measurement units are antiquated, and again. Remember, these guys, they're districts. They're serving a macro, a huge service area, a lot of data to, to, to process. They're not going to be able to, you're asking them to get to a tenth of the, which matters. But that's a big ask for irrigation districts that are holding that water in trust, charging their growers for their All right, stop. So, anyway. stop. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, if I'm, no, because I want to give, give an example. All right, I want you to tell me if this is a reality. Yeah. Can Swim come into a district today and say, within a year, I can get you to that tenth? Um, you get what I mean? I mean, because yeah, that's that, you're scared me a little bit with all the gods that money wasn't an option. Yeah. yeah, I always money, was, but I mean, is that? A reality, or is it a two-year project, or is it? it, it I mean, because I'm asking Kevin, do you see yourself helping these districts out? Yes, I think it gets there. Um, I if think it, if they were already metered up everywhere. Right, that's the hardest part. The infrastructure okay. is yeah, the expensive part. We hit I, I, I wasn't trying to be rude, Kevin. What I'm asking is, is is it reality for these districts? Because we can. A lot of times, we as people can paint a blue sky. Right. You know, oh, it sounds great to monitor every drop of water, right? This sounds great. I'm sure I know you can do it on my 300-acre ranch probably within a day and have me up and running. I've seen your platform. It's a, it's amazing. You guys have done... I've been getting... I've In the last three to four years, I've had a lot of people bring me a lot of water stuff. Um, hey, let me track your water flow meters, censoring. I'm, I hate the office, but I, I do. All I care about is, like I said, my balance sheet. Am I creating a higher net worth? Right. And is in my income statement, do I have a higher profit at the end of the year? That's it. And what your guys' platform has shown me, not saying you guys are the only game in town, is it, but from what I've seen, is something that actually shows the most valuable thing on my ranch down to a decimal point. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So, so my question is, can you do this on the district level? The answer is yes. The, the system's scalable all the way to... We developed it as a base in what? You know, it scales. It's on the cloud. We've got plenty of bandwidth. It's more of scaling the infrastructure. Districts are in varying uh, degrees of infrastructure build-out, right? But, but size, too. We know some really small districts that you could hook up. There's, we know lots of districts that are smaller than some well, Why don't you give me their number, Brad? <laughs> I, give a call well, I, think, I think it's also a, a value thing. So <laughs> you, you don't you don't weigh a load of hay to the hundredth of a gram, but you, you weigh gold to whatever, the thousandth of a gram, right? So 
as the value increases, the demand for measuring the water on a more accurate and yeah, more accurate level, like to the tenth of an acre foot or even the hundredth of an acre foot, that's going to have to be a reality. The right. problem is that luckily we live in California. There is in most years an abundance of water where people are still buying 325,000 gallons, which is an acre foot for 10, 20, 30 dollars. Right. And I go into the convenience store and I buy 16 ounces of bottled water for Three dollars. I bought a Fuji water today. It cost me three ninety nine at the gas station. You know, beer's cheaper. I know. I can, exactly. And you know, and you can buy it, you can some dishes you can buy an acre foot for twenty five dollars, and I can I can't even buy two cases of bottled water for that. So I think the, you know the val- obviously as farmers we don't want the the cost of water to go up, but until it's either the perception of the water is more valuable or the actual purchase price of the water is more valuable, there's not going to be a demand to measure it so uh, so detailed. You hit it on the dot. So take Imperial, the cost of the water is relatively low because it's, it's a long-standing, right, right? So I think it's 20-some dollars, maybe it's $20 an acre foot to deliver it. It's not expensive, expensive water. But they get paid, the delta between what they pay for the water and what they get when they save it is huge. Right. Use a truck. Huge. Well, so almost $300. <laughs> huge. That's, that's a horrible. Truck. Here's my truck. Huge. Here's my truck. Huge. Huge. So that's a horrible huge. Yeah, but at the same time, guys, we got to remember, and we're dealing with farmers that are farming 40 acres up to 4,000 acres. And, and Brad and I are in their office or out on the ranch with them every day. Everything we're talking about is an incremental cost. And Doug talks about balance sheets and all this kind of stuff. It's expensive, and a lot of these guys are growing crops that have a flat revenue year to year. I mean, it's not all high-end stuff. And so every time you're talking to them about another project, whether it's infrastructure or another program um, to monitor and data, you know, get your data collected, it's tough because at the end of the day, they've got to earn a living too, and they can't just incrementally keep adding things to it. So there's a fine line there, and I think Brad and I do a really good job of trying to define where that fine line is and how you can maybe incrementally get there. So you can do things at a district level where they can spread those costs and maybe whether their delivered water is $40 an acre foot or $140 an acre foot, but they can spread those costs versus now going out and try to implement a program um, on the farm. I, I think if you're... If you're not in one of these districts that's aggressive, that, that is getting up to speed on the metering stuff, you've really got to look at it um, about trying to put infrastructure in place on your farm that better gauges exactly what you're doing with the water, what type of water you have, and putting some, something in perspective to, to track it because no one else is going to do it for you. Right. And, and you got to figure out how to get there even if you're struggling on the backside about flat revenues based on what you're farming. Yeah, so, you're right on flat revenues because... It's like every fertilizer rep tells me, put this on, you're going to get 10 more tons. Right. I should right. be producing <laughs> 150 tons. 150 tons of tomatoes. That ain't happening. Exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly. You right. know, so I get what you're saying, Chase, because yeah. my dad always tells me that, yeah, well, sounds like you're going to just hit the gold mine. Yeah, that in, you know, so it's like, you're right. It, we can't keep adding everything. But one thing we really, I mean, this fertilizer they say is your boots on the ground, but I I believe is like Chris Morner, my PCA agronomist says it's your water. So the way you apply it, the way you handle it, the how much you use is so important. And I know my personally, my farming company isn't doing a great job at it. Yeah. You know, no offense to Josh Bonds, I love you, buddy, but you know we are not monitoring it. Right. The correct way. Chase just hit on a good point. So when you're looking at it from a district standpoint, they're going to look at it differently than a grower. And we we hit on it two or three times during the podcast here. Control. They're trying to control expenses. They don't have a huge budget in most cases to, to install a bunch of technology. So it's the granularity of the data. Does a district need every turnout monitored in telemetry? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, can they get a representation, represented case study? A representative, not case study, but uh, representative swath of land and get to that number with less cost potentially. And then the grower can take it to the granularity of the field uh, level if they'd like. Uh, so yeah, you look at all of those different options. Uh, one thing just to finish up, guys. So I talked about the carrot, the stick side of, of the equation. 
is what's happening with signal. Okay, that's penalties, that's assessments, that's reductions, right? So there's no major cash incentive on the front end to say what you have is the loss of that resource or some reduction, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Like an allocation or pumping fee, right? A big question I get asked all the time is what's the timeline on all this? And is it is the timeline different for different areas and how hard are they going to come down on, on us farmers? Well, in the, if we're talking strictly about Sigma, the uh, groundwater sustainability plans, which uh, is mandated by the act is required to be uh, submitted to, to the Dep- department of water resources, the end of January, 2020 and each uh, sub-basin, well, it's, it's kind of complicated. Each sub-basin is different, but generally speaking, each sub-basin is going to have the, a plan that uh, is going to dictate if there's going to be allocations. They're, they call it demand management. Uh, there's the, the primary focus in most of the GSAs, GSPs that I'm involved in is on the project side and not on the stick side. So they're, they're planning to uh, try to import as much surface water as they can um, through uh, you know going for water rights off of flood water and building groundwater recharge ponds. Uh, the I know a couple of GSPs that are coming out with pumping fees right out, right out of the gate uh, based on crop consumption, crop use uh, with satellite imagery. There's lots of discussion about allocations right now. It, and uh, if I, I see most GSPs delaying allocating in this first uh, January 2020, but within a year of that, we'll see we'll see them happening really soon. Are they going to be uh, more prompt or stricter with certain areas over others because of the overdraft position of that basin? Yeah, uh, the Sigma defines undesirable results. It's like a buzzword now. There's six of them. The primary ones of concern in the Central Valley. Well, I guess there's all of them are concerns, but at least in this area, the primary concerns are groundwater depletion, so groundwater levels lowering, and land subsidence. So those are the drivers for most of the farmers. And uh, So in layman's terms, we're losing groundwater. They're worried about losing groundwater and then the ground settling. Yes. And, and land subsidence significantly impacts a lot of the state's infrastructure. So it's very, very heavily scrutinized by regulatory agencies. So are they going to, um, do you feel the regulators are going to be? Yes. The, sorry. So the, to answer the question, the white areas are the areas that pump most and are going to be scrutinized the most because they're, those are the areas where these undesirable results would happen. And a big part of Sigma is monitoring. So there, there's going to be constant monitoring of groundwater levels and, and land, land subsidence. So um, that should be the primary focus for, all, for the farmers in these, well, all the farmers is... Um, to start conserving now to to do little projects, even though there isn't really a carrot and a stick yet, monitoring is going to dictate the demand management, the allocations. So even if they're not mandating that you reduce yet, the monitoring is going to show if you don't. And then you're going to get a stick. And the worst stick is the locals don't manage it properly and the state comes in and that is written into Sigma. Mm. Brad, are you saying if you use monitoring and track, like for example, and I'm not saying you gotta use swim, you use any tool, but you know, we've got an argument. But you should use swim. <laughs> <laughs> wink wink. Appreciate that drop, Doug. Yeah. Um try to be a little more eloquent, but it's all blown up now. Um, delivery and consumption, we mesh that together. So we use satellite, we use weather, we use so that it can be an agronomic tool. If they get, are you saying, if I'm hearing you right, if you get in front of that and using it as an agronomic tool for planning, you set a baseline, you could almost potentially limit or reduce the stick or maybe get around? Oh, you could have no demand management if 
the monitoring because they're using you know like 2014 2015 as base so if we can just decrease our consumption incrementally we could avoid all kinds of significant demand management. Wow. And then if you wow. have, because then you have your, then you create your own baseline, right? If you understand, if you have your own data, you're tracking what you're pumping, what you're using, how much ground, and this, in the stigma, as it pertains to stigma, you track how much groundwater you're using, and then you, then you have proof. It's kind of like uh, appropriative rights, right? If you don't have a statement of diversion, you kind of lose that right. So it's the same, it kind of sounds the same. Along the same lines, you have to have your data. You have to know where you're at to begin with. Otherwise, they're going to come in and set your benchmark or your index where they feel yeah. is fair for the whole area. And, and to kind of, we're beating around the bush, and this is what most people want to know about. And generally speaking, this is a generalization, but generally speaking, if you're in the white area, so if you don't have district water, you're going to get. But the sustainable yield is calculated less than an acre foot per acre typically. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about a sustainable yield uh, and you know by 2040, we're talking about if we get to an allocation, it would be an acre foot per acre for some for white area farming. For, 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 ground, for groundwater pumping. For groundwater pumping only. Right. Now, I know of areas that are less than a half a foot and there's areas that are you know, over an acre and a half. So it's a generalization. Right. But if you're in a white area, think about it in those areas and in that line. I got I got a question uh, for Mr. Hurley. Uh, I call him the golden boy of water. You know, the gray hair guy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Boy, and I know he can't stay much longer because he's got to go save the world right now in water. But uh, <laughs> Chase, you've been with the districts and. Say everybody in the district is using their allocation in various districts around here and not pumping because pumping a lot of times is the easy way. What What's your thoughts on these out of district, which I know you're in some of these projects right now, getting water from the districts, these wide areas getting water? How, how do you, how are the districts taking that as you're presenting some of those plans to them? Long term, I know you've gotten some projects done. Long term, what do you see about that? Is that is that a long term solution for some of these white area people? And I know it's gonna it's, number one, it's gonna cost structure. Number two, it's gonna be accounting, and number three, it's gonna be expensive water. Is that beneficial to the district, um, to neighboring districts, to help these out of district people, or is that is it not feasible long term? No, I think long term, if you're in the white area, for one, you got to get organized. And I think a lot of people are doing that, whether they're organizing themselves in an official district or or, or sort of a looser fit. But you're going to have to be able to work with your neighbors. Um, you're going to have to be able to try to set up transfer programs with your neighbors. You're going to have to put infrastructure in. It's all about taking a surface water supply that based on potentially where you're at are, is limited in, in, a, in a number of years. Um, there are a lot of uh, historical pre-1914 water right districts that have a good source of water and uh, they are looking for neighbors to work with within their sphere of influence. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the only way I can keep going is to stay positive. And to stay positive, you got to be able to look, at, look look yourself in the mirror and say, hey guys, let's figure out how we can all work together to stay in business. And I think most districts are willing to move their water and their asset to neighboring landowners that aren't within their boundary rather than moving it 400 or 500 miles away vis-a-vis a transfer. But at the same time, that district has a board of directors that has a goals and policies and thought process in line. But I do see a lot of inertia that way. And I guess I'll just wrap it up this way that um, you've got to stay positive and whether it's the imperial growers that have sort of taken to working with Kevin and his group and doing a lot of great things. I just spent a whole day with an Eureka um, a farmer, a dairyman out of Ferndale, him and his wife, a young couple that they don't know if they're going to be in business three years from now. A small farmer and their water issues, it's a flat milk market right now and now they've got the irrigated lands program just knocking the snot out of them. Brad and I have the potential, we've been approached to help manage and help 
focus on some of these programs that are tough, the irrigated lands program, and they're, they're not easy jobs because those are things that the, that the farmers can't see a lot of value in, but at the end of the day, we might be willing to um, jump in and help our growers because we've got to keep them in business. So today's been a good day. Um, I just got out of the meetings in a local water district that Brad and I work with. We got we helped get it started. They just bought 8,000 acre feet of water today from neighboring districts. It was a complete wide area three years ago, and we just bought 8,000 feet of water from two surrounding districts. Wow. So this year, we're going to deliver 12,000 acre feet of water to an area that had that up until two years ago, didn't have one drop of surface water and couldn't get surface water. So that's what keeps me going. And that district is almonds and pistachios, but it's also got a dairy farmer. And is $150 to $300 water expensive for a dairy farmer? You bet it is. But when working with the neighbors, they can figure out how to make it work. So I got to stay positive and uh, just continue to realize that nobody can grow food the way California can, and we got to keep everybody in business. That's what, that's what it's all about, Chase. I want to. awesome. If I can add one thing, we in the last several months now, we've had clients now that have used our technology for two, three years now in the Central Valley. Now we've moved from up to Imperial, and we're on the Central Coastal now. We've been getting calls and now approvals finally. And as you guys know, it's hard to get growers to let you use their name publicly uh, until they really get to know you. 10, 20, 25% savings. They started using, it happened to be SWIM, but it could be any uh, tracking system. And now they're showing, they showed a baseline two to three years ago. And now we had calls and testimonials we can use where they say, I now know I'm going to be in farming for at least the foreseeable future. That brought tears to our eyes, our team members, because we said, as you said, take it piece by piece, try to help one person or another. That's what keeps us going. Now we're hearing those case studies. Anyone that loves ag gets that. And any, anyone yeah. that wants to see it sustainable moving forward, which is great to hear that. No, that's, that, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? When you said, Chase, and you, Kevin, is like real-world solutions to these problems that we're encountering. And, you know, hearing Chase about that water transfer, I mean, you know, 12,000 acre feet, you're talking, you know, 4,000 acres of, of, of full water allocation to farm any, pretty much any type of crop you can think of. So that's, that's some, some real awesome progress. And these guys have only been doing this for a couple of years. So, um, thank you guys for coming today. This has been a, a, a learning experience for me. I get to do business with you guys pretty much every day, but, we rarely get to sit in a room and have an open conversation like this. And, uh, you know, the key is to learn something new every day. I definitely learned a few new things today by listening to you guys. Um, so thank you guys. And, um, as always, we'd like to give a toast at the end of our episodes. So today we're toasting with a glass of single malt, single malt scotch to swim and waterland solutions for being a part of our, our podcast and coming in and sharing, uh, all this insight with us today. So. And some water too. And some, of course, it's some water. With water. Chasing, we're chasing with water. Hey, and, and we want to ask you guys if you guys would like to make a toast to anybody too out there, whether it's clients or whether it's foreseeable things you guys see you know when i say a toast i mean yeah you know just a shout out a shout out yeah whether it could be to your mom (laughs) i'm gonna do a shout out to my grandpa sam samuelson and dad uh they instilled love agriculture in me and i thought it was great on the first podcast when Grandpa Diego mentioned when he came up here to start his dairy that my grandpa went out with him and walked that ground and first broke it. Yeah, that's deep. That's cool. A long-standing relationship. Yeah, I'd like to say a cheer to JSH Enterprises. That's my younger brother, Jack. He's a young kid, a lot younger than I am, but he's one kid that wants to stay in farming, and you don't hear a lot about those younger generation want to stick in it. So keep plowing away. And then finally to the California Ag Leadership Program. I've been spending the last three or four days with you, and you provide a lot of value not only to California but to everybody that, um, that sort of works in ag- agriculture, whether it's Washington, D.C. or Sacramento. So shout out to the program. Oh, that's great. Uh, I'll uh, put a shout out to the Brown family because even though you guys build me from Colorado, I'm a Santa Maria fifth generation native. And all the Brown family on the ag side, that's what got my interest in ag years and years ago. And then moved to Colorado and continued it out there and then came back out here. So I made the, made the rounds. So appreciate that. Well, and I want to thank all you guys. I want to give a special shout out. Somebody in this room who you guys all know is very special to me. Richie Mayo, and there's there's been a health issue that he had 
come up and he is here right now. This guy, young guy like you talked about, Jack, your brother who helps me. Richie Mayo loves Zag, Breezag, helps my family, my dad out, and many of my family members. He's here today. God is good. And, uh, you know, as always, my partner, Keith, fun to, I can toast him every day because we get to do these fun things as well as do business together. So I, I want to, again, just say thank you to all you guys. Thank you. California's thank you. good. Let's keep it going. Got a rodent problem that's costing you money? Caddyshack Rodent Service aims to reduce the population of gophers and squirrels in agriculture, commercial as well as residential. They eliminate rodent populations without using synthetic poisons. Contact Caddyshack Rodent Service at 559-363-3315 or check them out on their website at caddyshackrodentservice.com.